Create, connect, communicate. Create, connect, communicate. Magical, enigmatical, gift of gab, super, natural, story, from the space Come, well lit. Say a little something. Little sound sign. Sound sign. I love your dog. I want to take it with me. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, we will basically just talk, have some fun. Are you ready to get this party started? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Good evening, avant-garde aliens of the universe and other curiously unconventional cinephiles of the human condition. My trusty sidekick Mocha and I warmly welcome you all back to another episode of Firelight Chats, where we broadcast the most super natural stories from our Space Lab studio here in Da'an, Taipei, Taiwan. Our special guest for today's cinematic episode studied at the New York Film Academy and is a graduate of the film school at Bei Da, TNUA, or Taipei National University of the Arts. Her first feature film, which was shot right before COVID exploded, is called Mickey on the Road in English or Mi Zhou Guangzhou in Chinese, which translates into something like Lost Walking to Guangzhou. It's a coming-of-age story about two female protagonists, with filming magically split between the aforementioned city in southern China and southern Taiwan. There is much to talk about, about the film itself, including the story, a complex weave of themes, enchanting cinematography and juxtaposing scenes, casting, breakthrough performances, and even Golden Horse Jingma nominations, as well as the challenges of fundraising, filming across contentious borders, dealing with critics and different audience perceptions, and being a first-time female director. Our aim is to also get some behind-the-scenes stories from the director's life, like growing up in Taiwan under martial law, moving to New York City to live like an old romantic artist, living in Eugene, Oregon, and working on the initial stages of her forthcoming second feature film. As we chat by the fireside with our rainy typhoon backdrop, we hope to explore these topics and more. So without further ado, please allow me to welcome our guest for this episode of Firelight Chats, Mia, a.k.a. Mian Mian Lu. Hello. Mian wow. Mian, yes. That was a welcome, an introduction suitable for a Golden Horse nominated director. Wow, sounds like a, a brandy, you know, a glass of brandy. I just, you know, for me, it's like a shot of brandy. It's so sweet. It's just smooth and so sweet. sweet. Yeah. And then get a little bit warm and drunk and... Yeah, kicks. We got some kicks. We are yeah. ready. We're ready to get this party kicked off. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this. So thank you very much for coming in here, especially on a very typhoony day here. Mm. There is a super typhoon in Asia called Doksuri that 
uh, luckily kind of diverted. So it's not as bad, but it's still rainy up here in Taipei. Yes, but nothing stop us. Exactly. Even a typhoon can't stop this powerful woman right here. That's in this right. episode, yeah, you will understand why. And if you see her film, her first feature film, and as I mentioned, her second one coming, you'll understand more. So get ready. Get ready. ready. Buckle your seatbelts, everyone. Yeah. Prepare your popcorn. Exactly. The lights have dimmed. So <laughs> welcome back to Taipei as well. You were in Jai? Yes. Over the weekend. Yeah. What were you doing down there? Well, to see the famous Ali Shan. Mm. Yeah, I feel like uh, I have an uh, obligation as a Taiwanese to worship our, you know, Ali Shan and those like thousand years wood. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. How was it? Was that your first time? That was my first oh, time. Oh, how dare you in some way. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So it's long overdue. Mm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So after this many years, how was it? Well, I, it's always feel good to be in a you know woods. It's amazing, and I think when you are sitting in a winding bus, and then you suddenly realize that the mountain is so high in this small island. Mm. Yeah, and then you kind of generate that appreciation that, wow, you know, this island is amazing. Yeah, the natural beauty is amazing. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were perhaps going to go see some of your cast because I guess we'll get into that story later. But you were telling me last time about casting and finding some of your stars down south, right? Yes. We will leave that as a... As a bit of a teaser, but speaking of coming back to Taiwan, rediscovering, we mentioned also from the outset that, you know, you have experience growing up in Taiwan under martial law. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's yeah. like about, you know, 30 something years ago that martial law was ended. What was it like for you growing up as a young child here in Taiwan under martial law? Well, imagine every morning under brutal sun, right? And uh, the kids gathering on a field and then look up, there is a guy, it was a teacher, right? First, you got to sing the, the song, the, the national song. National anthem. Yes. Pay your you know respect to the flag. Yes. And then the teacher was standing there and you look up, like a God-like, you know, figure. figure yeah. yeah. And then you listen to them. And I repeat every morning. So everyone is forming some kind of like, you got to submit to the power. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, we all like practice how to walk like a soldier. Like marching. Marching. Okay. Yes. And when you're a middle schooler, you are marching and singing, you know, like a song. which Patriotic songs. That's right. Did you enjoy that? Well, when you're kids, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, you're just doing whatever people, you know, ask you to do. Mm. Yeah. But I wasn't very kind of... Um, Good kids. Mm. Sometimes I will forget my hat. Oh my God, I forget my hat. And then, you know, you got your hat. It's part of the uniform. Yes. Oh, okay. And then you got punishment. And sometimes, you know, if you are not doing things right, you get punishment immediately. That wasn't very fun. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
did you see any other kind of experiences, like pretty bad ones, maybe with your family or neighbors or people around you? Was it that bad or were you kind of sheltered from that because you were too young? Actually, it's because everybody grow up in this kind of history background. The rule applied to every school. So it's kind of like, you know, you don't see it as like a stranger or something. And then, of course, there's a statue, like Jiang Zhongzhen statue everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, you kind of trend to think, oh, so we are Chinese. And we study the geographic of China, our whole middle school history and uh, graphic class. Mm. Yeah, we got to remember, yeah, something special from like a Hebei. Right. Or it's like, what? Where's Hebei? Right, what? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you kind of like uh, try to memorize all those like very far away kind of authentic names and do you remember the were you here for the transition because you also you know went abroad to the states but i guess that was much later yes so you were also here like kind of during the transition to democracy as well yes but that was when i was very young so Mm. i don't remember that phase so pretty much your whole childhood you grew up in taiwan were you in taipei yes okay yeah you're a straight up Taipei Ren. Straight up Taipei Straight Ren. up. Yep. Where was your hood? My hood is in uh, Xingyi, you know. When, oh, damn. Yes. And uh, when the movie theater and department store area is kind of like empty space, farm, uh, the yeah, construction. Right now, it's crazy. That's right. Right. Okay. So that was like all farmland when yeah. you were growing up. Yeah. And the, when I grow up, it's just our playground. The construction just start. Yeah. We can ride our bicycle over there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up seeing so many changes in Taiwan. I mean, that's when Taiwan was really developing a lot, changing a lot. Yeah. And then when I was in high school, that's how I start theater myself in, inside a school. Mm. So. Yeah, I start uh, writing script myself and gathering a group of people doing plays inside of schools and also outside of school. So I kind of like a troublemaker. Yeah. So what led you to this path? Do you think it has to do with being kind of a troublemaker? And that's why you kind of naturally gravitated towards that for some reason? Or did it maybe actually on the opposite end, did that maybe kind of save you from, you know, it kind of got you out of trouble in some way, maybe? I think it's a kind of like impulse that as a young woman, young girl, that you kind of want your voice to be heard and you are constantly told to be quiet, to be kind of like not being so loud and be so... Quiet. Yeah, be quiet and then you are not allowed to kind of say no Mm. or say your own opinion about things. So I think that's a start. Who's anger? Anger is a very valuable emotion, though, if you can channel it, right? Yeah. Especially into like a kind of creative endeavor. Uh, I hope so, yeah. Yeah. So far, so good. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think a lot of that comes out in Vicky on the Road. Right. Yes. You kind of did eventually get to channel that into a really creative endeavor, your first feature film. I hope so. Right. But before that, you decided to move to New York City. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. How did this come about? 
this romantic dream of yours? It's all bland. I bland <laughs> this to you know all those professors in college. When I was in college, all those professors there, you know,、uh, study abroad and they came back to Taiwan and teach at the college and then tell us all those myths, all those stories about oh, if you want to become an artist, you gotta go to New York.、Mm. You know, that's the place you gotta go. And that idea kind of stick with me. You are mesmerized. Yes. I, oh yeah. So yeah, and then I think that yeah, that's the start. Also,、oh, you went to undergraduate in Taiwan, Taipei. Yes. Okay. Yes. I see. And I studied Chinese opera theory. Chinese opera theory. Whoa. Okay. So tell us, what is something interesting you learned from your amazing education, Chinese opera theory?、Um, Maybe you're gonna have to sing some Peking opera for us. Oh my God! <laughs> I need vodka. <laughs> um. <laughs> Maybe I have to give you another introduction, another smooth introduction. <laughs> That's right. I was just feel like if I said my major is Chinese opera theory, that sounds super cool. Yeah, intellectual. Yes, super super cool. And while I'm doing experimental little theater, and I'm measuring Chinese opera theory in college in the classroom, it's kind of like a very strong contrast. Yeah, so I learn a lot of kind of a opposite aesthetic system from Chinese opera. Hmm. Yeah. You did the Chinese opera theory, mesmerized by your professors talking about this dreamland in New York City, and you. Go on the road like Mickey、yeah. to New York City. That's right. Where did you land? I land to a very amazing neighborhood, Bushwick. Bushwick in the house. Yes, Bushwick in、What、the house. What was Bushwick like at that time? Bushwick is still it's gentrifying now, but I think at that time it must have been a little bit more rough. Yes, I、uh, live in、uh, Myrtle and Broadway,、mm. right at the cross. You、at、know, the corner. Yes, at the corner intersection. I cross the street one block away. There's projects, right? And there's Myrtle, right? Stretching into the deep Brooklyn heart. I know, and people who know Brooklyn history might know that Myrtle actually used to be called Murder Street.、Mm-hmm. There was a lot of hip hop rap from the projects there. A place that I taught, Pratt Institute, is down on Myrtle as well. So that's、and、right. It's a posh school, art school now, but it was pretty rough back in the day. Oh yeah, and then I live like、um, one blocks away from some kind of you can just walk from where I live to Williamsburg,、mm. which is the hipsters. Exactly, kind of like a scatter. You have to go through、there. the Jews. Oh to yeah, to the hipsters. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very diverse, New York City. Oh yeah, I love it. It's kind of like for me that three years. It's very important for me as a young adult because I feel like I grow up as a full grown adult in New York City.、Mm. Yeah, I learned how to defend myself, and I learned so much from that city. What are your greatest memories? Any kind of stories, memories from your time in New York City that kind of stick in your head? Um. Well, I gotta tell you my I'm not Chinese bitch story. <laughs> you're not you're not Chinese bitch story. Yes, I love it. That's a great title. Okay, here it comes. <laughs> here it comes the not Chinese bitch story. Yeah, here I was、uh, standing on the street as you know normal days. 
there's a crazy, I don't know, person yell at me, say, yo, yeah, yo, you Chinese bitch, like oh, that. Shit. So there's my husband standing by me. And then the crazy person start yelling at my husband says, she doesn't love you. She just want your money. And then I was like, oh, no. Wow. Oh, this is, this is not tolerate, right? Right. So I turn to that crazy person and yell back, I'm not Chinese. <laughs> I'm Taiwanese. Bitch. That's right. <laughs> so... So that's my yeah. Wow. I learned how to do that. You know, in Taiwan you don't you don't have chance mm. to kind of uh you know, kind of confrontation that intense and right. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Did your husband also say that? I'm not Chinese either, bitch. <laughs> No, <laughs> he's too scared. <laughs> he was too scared. Yeah. I see. Because last time you brought him in here and you said he was your bodyguard, but it turns out it's the other way around. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Oh, that's amazing. So did you meet your husband there in New York City or you had already met him? We met in Taiwan. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then after we get married in Taiwan and I said, hey, yo, I want to move to New York. You with me or not? And then he just pack. <laughs> he just pack. And then, yeah. And then I start my journey of chasing my filmmaker dream. Right. How long were you in New York City? And how do you think it affected your current position in filmmaking? I was living in New York from uh, 2008 to 2012. Um, mm. And then within that three years, I think I did like everything I can to absorb because there is a free art show every day. And then all those major museums, they have a free pass, kind of, you know, free day for, you know, New Yorkers. Mm. And I see as many off, 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 off Broadway shows. No, you know? Off, 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 off. <laughs> Yeah. All the way down in Brooklyn. That's right. <laughs> On that Broadway, I see. Myrtle and Broadway. That's right. And uh, mainly, I think it's kind of like free, kind of a freeze me. As a young woman, I can express myself freely and without judgment. No one asked me to be quiet anymore. Mm. And I can sit the way I want, open my leg, mm. you know, like, you know, it's hot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then I feel very comfortable there to just be myself. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So 2008 to 2012, right after the crash of 2007, mm -hmm. I was also there in New York City. So we were like crossing paths, actually. Yeah. It's amazing. What are some of the museums that you like or remember? I love the new museum, mm. which is on Bowery. The new new museum. Yeah, I mean, the new location on Bowery. Yes. With the Japanese architects. Oh, yeah. The box, the cubes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's dope architecture, but it's also a really cool museum. Yes. I really like that place. And um, I went to, um, of course, Metropolitan Museum a lot, mm, you know, by Shem. Yeah, the shamelessly give them $5, you know. Oh, because, right, it's donate. Yeah. So you don't have to. <laughs> well, I but live like, there. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. You're a contributor to the arts. Oh, yeah. And so many, like, small galleries in Lower East, Lower East Side. Oh, right. 
Yeah. What about Chelsea? Did you ever go to those ones? I did, okay. but to be in a circle around Chelsea galleries, I feel like you gotta be rich. Yeah. Otherwise, you feel like you're faking it or something. You yeah. know. Yeah. There's too many different levels in New York City, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And if you go Upper East Side, it's another thing. Upper West Side, it's another thing. So yeah. Yeah. So lower. Fourteenth Street. That's my area. That's your hood, right that's there. That's my hood. All the way down to Brooklyn. That's right. <laughs> Don't venture too far up there. That's right. I feel most comfortable.、Yeah. How about your spirits at New York Film Academy? It's very straightforward.、Mm. It's just they give you a film camera, which is a Bolex. I use a sixteen, I think it's an eight millimeter film to shoot some of my early kind of short film. You load one time. That's good for two minutes,、mm. and then you gotta stop. The shooting and load the film and battery again. So yeah, that's very straightforward. Just give you camera, just film something. Yeah, just film something. Create. Yes. Oh, that's cool. So, what kind of things were you interested in? You know, what kind of themes? What kind of stories? More experimental? Is it different from what you are doing now, or do you think it kind of leads to what you you know have recently done? Um, my thing is, I like to play my shot, and I like to have very simple kind of emotion I want to express, even though just two minutes film. I remember the short I made during that time. I、uh, shooting、um, that place. It's called Blue Monday.、Mm. It's in Brooklyn now. It's gone, but it's kind of like it's a junk junk store with like thousands of CDs and books, like and, antiques and, and antiques. And- And、yeah, and toys, and and you know, recycle stuff,、oh, and、cool. yeah, and then the the shop owner make those recycles into arts. And there's um free shows every night. It's an open mic every night at that place. And then at their backyard, there is a free film screening. You know, every weekend. That sounds cool. Yeah, so I kind of shoot like bohemian hipsters artistic scene in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, with that as your location, kind、yeah. of main location. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. After this, after about three to four years, two thousand and twelve, you decided to go back to Taiwan. Yes. Okay. Was this by choice? Was this a hard decision? You ran out of money. Your parents were calling you back.、Uh, what happened? I figured out America doesn't need me there. And, <laughs> See. Yeah, and if I have a million dollars, I could have shoot you know something, but I don't have a million dollars. So so I decide to go back to Taiwan and study filmmaking in Taiwan. Okay. So that is enter the Beida time.、Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that is also our connection. You were classmates actually with Angel Huang, who is、uh, one of our previous guests. Oh yeah. And、uh, Randy Finch also, who has not been a guest yet, but he is a Superman behind the scenes, a Superman producer behind the scenes. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, shout out to Randy wherever you are now. He's all over the place. He's sometimes in Taiwan, Thailand, the U.S., L.A.,、yeah. all around the world. Hopefully soon we'll be hearing from him as well.、But. Oh yeah, he teach.、Um Production, but because he's a producer, right? In my graduate school, he's the only American, I mean, foreign professor there, and then we hit it off、mm. because the, you know, I can call him Randy, 
not Professor blah blah blah,、right. you know. And we can share a drink after class, you know. It's I, a New York style. It's、yes. the best way, exactly. That's right, and、yeah. uh, I can tell him, you know, what I really think、mm-hmm. without kind of polishing or you know being respect or something. Exactly, judgment or anything. Yeah. So we hit it off, and we become like really good friends. And of course, he's my mentor.、Mm. So yes, how was your time at Beida? Um, Tell us the truth. <laughs> um, Don't hold back. Okay, I won't. I won't. <laughs>、uh, I was a lone wolf because、um, all my classmates are younger than me, and when they still talking about oh, there's a 学妹 there's a a girl in so and so class, she's hot, you know. I was like. Uh okay, boys, grow up like that. I was like, okay, I'm out of this conversation.、Right. Yeah, so it's hard because、oh. you you kind of like old to them, and they they seems like really naive to you, and、mm. so I become a lone wolf. I see. Yeah, and I only want to talk people who I think is interesting and cool, which is those professors who teach there.、Mm. So I can have like a cigarette time with those professors, and I remember there is a、um, professor who teaches us a, a set design. He teaches undergraduate, and he's a super nice guy, Michael. And we can just have some very chill chat. Mm. About the projects and about you know anything, so yeah, I、okay. enjoyed that. So, did you study film directing? Yes. Okay. So you knew when you went in there, this is it. You want to be a film director? Oh yeah. 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 I have a very clear goal, and no one can stop me.、Mm. Exactly. Yeah, we see that, right? And that's a perfect segue to Mickey on the Road. So I saw it also recently, and I told you before when we met that I I loved it for so many reasons. There's so many reasons that I alluded to in the intro. I think it's so Taiwanese in so many ways and captures so many difficulties, important themes that are very relevant to Taiwan, right? And I remember last time you were telling that. Oh, I'm so happy you know that because so many critics actually didn't even see that or didn't realize that or thought it's like a Chinese film because it was actually filmed half of it in China as well. So yeah, again, I gotta shout to those critics. I'm not Chinese, bitch. <laughs> I'm Taiwanese. There、yeah. it is again. That's、exactly. again. Yeah. So because the Chinese title of this movie is、uh, Mizo Guangzhou, so people think, oh, this movie. Must、uh, took you know China's money, Chinese investors, and then talk about you know story about China. That's a big mistake. The story took place in Guangzhou, but it's not about you know people in Guangzhou. It's, it's about two Taiwanese girl. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Can you give a quick synopsis of the film for people who haven't seen it yet?、Okay. What is this film about?、Uh, Mickey on the Road is about two street smart young Taiwanese women. They travel together to Guangzhou. One is Jingjing, and she wants to find her boyfriend, aka one night stand,、uh, <laughs> true love. Exactly. And、uh, the other is、uh, Mickey, which. She's our main character. She want to find her father who work in Guangzhou, but her father has been cut off. You know, lost. 
connection to the family for over 10 years. And then she want to know what's going on and she want to find her father. So these two travel together to Guangzhou and find the people they care. Yeah, I love that because I think that's a quintessentially Taiwanese story, right? Especially around this generation, right? And the last generation. A lot of Taiwanese businessmen going to southern China, especially manufacturing factories, other kind of things, and so many families being kind of broken apart because yes. of this. So I love that you're able to capture that. And, you know, when I was watching it and I told you last time, I was I was really surprised. Wow. I, I can't believe she was able, first of all, to film it. I think the timing is also quite interesting as well, because a lot of it was luck as well. Right. Because yeah. if the timing was a little bit different, it might not have been shot. That's right. We shoot, uh, we finished the principal shooting in 2019, July, which is the whole summer we're shooting and we wrap in that summer. And then, of course, something broke out the next year. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if it was like half a year later, the whole plan would be screwed. Yeah, the wars went upside down. Did you film the Taiwanese section first and then the Chinese? We uh, shoot by the sequence. First, uh, we shoot in Kaohsiung, which they start, you know, these two protagonists grow up. And then we shoot in Guangzhou. And then we come back to uh, Kaohsiung, south of Taiwan, to wrap three places. Yeah, right. That was another thing, you know, having experience lived in China, of course, the current political situation, as well as a backdrop. Were there any difficulties? Difficulties filming in China, in Guangzhou? We are filming under no permission. <laughs> and we are kind of lie. We do anything we could. <laughs> we are literally chasing by police on the street uh, with our like a million dollars camera. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. And then anyone who asks us like, oh, what are you guys shooting? We're just said, oh, we're doing TikTok. um, Yeah, we're student film, you know. Right. Anything, any excuse you can. Yep. And we hide our camera into our bag until we arrive at the location and we secretly pull out the camera and start shooting. It's interesting because it's almost like a story within a story because, you know, there's that scene in the hotel, a very important scene in Guangzhou, where they are not supposed to be there in that hotel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some kind of tricks and other kind of things there. The staff comes and they literally kick them out and run out. It's just awesome and quite ironic, I think, and pretty funny. How did you actually film in that hotel? We lie. We said, <laughs> oh, we're going to a uh, shoe to make your hotel looks really, really nice. We're going to uh, kind of advertise your hotel, you know. Yeah. And um, like we're the tourism bureau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Yeah, so of course. Then what about that scene where the guy is waiting in the lobby and this sexy, sexy girl is like running out of there? Yeah, we shoot that very early, like five o'clock in the morning when the hotel is less busy, basically. You were also telling me about another really, I think, memorable scene from the China part. Mickey, there's two scenes. One is when she goes into the hotel room Mm -hmm. um, with the man because there's a lot of sexual undertones to the film, right? Themes Mm -hmm. that are explored here. And then also the honey scene, which I think is related to that, which was a very visually bold scene. But I remember you were saying that it was a kind of an interesting story with getting that shot done. 
Yeah, licking honey on a glass, and there's a temple kind of a decoration dragon behind Mickey. That was kind of way I just say, you know, that's just chill, okay? Everybody, just take it easy, okay? And we can lick, you know. <laughs> We can lick anything we want, okay. And then, so that's kind of like provocative scene, and、uh, also in the narrative, it's just Mickey's fantasy, right? Yeah, her kind of a、um, sexual fantasy. It's sweet, kind of like honey. And for the hotel scene is because this character Mickey, she、uh, doesn't have a male adult in her life when she grow up. So in that moment, at the story, she feel like very. Curious about this sophisticated Chinese businessman. The way he looks is just like when her dad left the family. The character want to figure it out. That's why she knocked the door of that guy's hotel room. Yeah, and goes into the hotel room, and then it ends up being a pretty vague scene, right? So right. it's left to the audience's imagination. Yes, you know when girls knock your door is not necessarily one one thing, you know. <laughs> She maybe just want to have a chat, a nice conversation, nice conversation, or have a really simple drink.、Mm, of course,、yeah. enjoy the view. That's right. Yes, the night view. Yeah. So some people label this as a lesbian film.、Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? You can say that. I think I like ambiguous. I like the space that you allow the character to explore by herself, and then she can decide, you know, in the end or not, because it's very fluid. So I think that's also a perfect segue. Speaking about letting the actor kind of explore, because there was some amazing performances by these two young ladies, right? And I was telling you about that last time. You know, we were talking about Jingjing and Mickey, and wow, I love their performance. Jingjing also kind of famously had some pretty big nominations that we we had mentioned as well, being recognized by the film industry. When I asked you about that, about casting, so how did you find these people? The story was amazing.、Yeah. So maybe we can start with Mickey. So how did you find Mickey? I、uh, scouting at South of Taiwan, Kaohsiung a lot when I prepare this script. When I write this script, Mickey was working at a bar in Kaohsiung. She's basically bartender at that bar. One night, I just I met her. I stare at her and I ask her, like, "Do you want to be in my movie?" And she was like, "You must be drunk." <laughs> you know, too many vodka shot you had. You know, she's like you're crazy, and she just ignore me. You know, <laughs> although I was just like hand her my script in a very kind of professional way. It's like this is the script. Please take a look. Right,、and、I'm really a director. Yes, I'm a I'm a real person, <laughs> and this is my business card and blah blah blah. And then she just keeps saying no to me, and I keep going back to her bar and convince her. Yeah, and you also said that when you noticed her at the bar, you noticed that tattoo. Oh yeah, because that tattoo is—it's big, and it's a—I think another important like side character in the film, right? It's very memorable. Yes, yeah, her tattoo on her chest is very impressive. That's why I noticed her. Right, so it's a real tattoo. It wasn't makeup for the the scene. She is a real. She was a bartender at that time. With that tattoo. With that tattoo. Yes. And also with that attitude. So if you guys watch the film, you'll see that she has a specific character. But yes. But 
how much of that is really the actor in real life as well, and how much of that is character? Would you say in her real life, Mickey Bowen, she's a very sweet girl. She smile like a puppet, and of course, when you cast actor, you want to see her eyes. I think her eyes make you. Feel like afraid. You were afraid of her. You know that's the quality I'm looking for for this、uh, character, Mickey.、Mm. Because I want to create a character that when you see her visually, you will think: Is she a woman or is she a man、mm. or is she both? A little bit androgynous. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then Bowen, the actor, she has that quality. Right, and that's an important part of her character, right, in the film, where she's really trying to push against those boundaries, right,、yes. in society, and that's what I also alluded to, which I think is a very Taiwanese struggle, especially maybe in the South. Yes. Um, so, what about Jingjing? I think this was a pretty amazing story. How you found her? So, yeah, there's some scenes. If you see maybe a trailer or some visuals from this,、uh, Jingjing is a very sexy girl. She's a go-go dancer. I love the scene where she's on top of the jeep, you know, dancing on a go-go pole, which I think is also very southern, right? It's a southern image, anyways,、uh, southern Taiwan. So, how did you find her, Jingjing? When I think of this character, I think I got. Find a actress who is actually dancer to play Jingjing. So I start posting and spread out the casting call, kind of flyer, a digital flyer. And one of my childhood friend posted, um, you know, their photographer, oh,、right. secret photographer line group. <laughs> and、uh, yeah, and then Jingjing saw that casting call and then reply. So basically, my friend just sent me like thirty. Or forty <laughs> girls' pictures, you know, and so I just scrolling down, and then I pick several suitable actors, and then I meet them, and Jingjing is one of them. Once I met her, I kind of think she's the girl I'm looking for. I think we might have to explain this secret photographer group a little bit, <laughs> yeah, without giving away any secrets of the trade, but. In Taiwan and maybe other countries, there are a certain group of men who love cameras and love beautiful women. Yeah, yeah, dancers and yeah, wearing costumes and other things. They just love to bring their very expensive gears to take pictures, and then they kind of discuss together, exchanging pictures, and then. But they are they are very technical, kind of like oh you you gotta put the exposure like oh, up or that you know it's very geeky kind of like talk right and also of course also they talk about the girls right shoot yeah yeah why not as a side topic of course right yes so you had a friend who did this kind of thing he posted it in his group of other these kind of dudes yeah with cameras and they just. Crowdsourced, and they knew they knew where all the the hot girls are, where the dancers were, and that's how you actually found Jingjing. That's right, that's right. And then she was in the group. Ohio is a dance group in Taichung. It's very famous.、Mm. And then、um, Jingjing is a professional dancer. Yeah, and you were telling about kind of her background, where she、mm-hmm. comes from. I think it's. An amazing story, and it's really like a very Taiwanese story in a lot of ways—a really beautiful one. Maybe sad in some ways, but also very beautiful. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, Jingjing is my hero. I really, I really appreciate not only what she dedicated in the film, but in her real life. I think she's a real hero. 
she、uh, got married very early. So when I cast her, she already have a two year old daughter. Her husband is a farmer. They grow tomatoes and、uh, melons in Tainan. I think in the border of Tainan Jai.、Mm. So they basically literally live by the farm, countryside, countryside farmers. Oh yeah, just hustling. Yes, and so her job is a professional dancer at temple parade, or you know, some kind of like a temple celebration.、Mm. And her husband is just very kind of down to earth farmer,、mm. um, very typical Taiwanese guy. Right, and you had to kind of like convince him. I mean, you know, was there any kind of resistance? And did you know when you met her that she was the one? Or I already know when I met her. I I look at her face and I know that's the actress, the actor I want on the big screen.、Mm. I want to stare at her face, and I can see she played Jingjing in my mind already. But Jingjing is from a very conservative family, kind of, and her family's members kind of have a doubt of this show business is too fancy, you know, too far away. You know,、mm. they think I'm a scam. Right. Yeah. So I went down to South to her home and talked to her husband. Sit down with her husband and just you know have a kind of presentation, a little <laughs> briefing to her husband and her family. You know her her parents-in-law telling what we going to shoot, what's our plan? You know to have their support. So un- until I did that, I was a far away kind of scam. Yeah,、know? so that's like your two main actors both thought you were scam. <laughs> <Yeah> . One <laughs> think I'm drunk, you know. The other think I'm a scam. Right. Yeah. But you managed to convince both of them. Thank goodness, because I think they're amazing, amazing actors, and played those roles perfectly. I can't imagine anyone else playing them now, of course. But it's also amazing that you know she comes from a farm and then hustling and dancing as well, professional dancing. But you managed to bring her up to Taipei. Right. We do the training before principal shooting in Taipei, and I give them theater kind of a really basic training. All the training I do for them is actually just ask them to relax and focus. As long as they know how to kind of relax and focus at that moment, they're good. They really talented, and yeah, I guess my theater background does help. Mm. That I kind of guide these two first-time actors into the status of the moment, and、uh, also I think these two、uh, character need to be earthy, need to be kind of street smart. So I really cannot hire some kind of like really polished, sophisticated urban girl to play these two roles because if that cannot convince me, I don't think the audience will convinced. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And she, as we mentioned, was nominated several times. Right. You mentioned kind of interestingly as a best supporting actress, and then also another one as a main. Yes, Jingjing has been nominated for best、uh, leading role at、uh, Taipei Film Festival, and、uh, she got another nomination. From Golden Horse Award for Best Supporting Role, but I think they are both true.、Mm. Yeah, 
Nice. And yeah, for people who don't know Taiwan, Jinma, the golden horse, that is the most prestigious. That's like the Oscars. Yeah, here. Right. Yeah. So what was that like? Because you also, as a first time director, that's awesome. You know, you were able to pick the cast and direct them and get on the red carpet yourself as well. So what was that experience like being at the Golden Horse Awards in what year? Um, That was 2020. That was when An Lee's the chairman. And That's awesome. Yes. And that was a fantastic experience for filmmakers. You feel like you're invited to this big party and uh, you meet those uh, people you look up to. And uh, we dress Jing Jing and Mickey, you know, in a hotel room and do all the makeup. Yeah. it's uh, For us, it's kind of like a fun party. That's amazing. Yeah. So what about fundraising? That's always a difficult thing. You know, I recently spoke with uh, another first time director who's going a crowdsourcing route, you know, and kind of have to be creative these days. Right. Right. To figure out how to get that money. Films cost money. So how was that process for you, especially as a first time director as well? There's no easy way to raise funds for your first film. I think it's true in Taiwan, it's true in everywhere else. And you just need to be very sure that you have something to say, which is very important. That will lead you to two or three years, sometimes even more like 10 years. I don't know, you know, it's a long journey. So you got to have the belief in your story. You, you got something to say. And of course, you sound like a crazy person for like two years or three years while you're raising money. Like, oh, please give me a million dollars. I'm very talented and this will be an awesome film, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, you sound like a crazy person. It's like making a spaceship. Right. Yeah. You Trying know. to sell it. Yeah. So as long as you kind of like keep focusing on your story and you very sincerely kind of, you know, communicate to whoever want to sit down and then listen to your, your vision, eventually you will get there. Mm. So how did that happen for you? How did the story end? How did you get that money to be able to produce this film? I was very lucky because Taiwanese government has money for first time filmmaker. And basically you just have your script ready and your pitching ready. Well, and then you apply and then the rest of this your luck. Wow. Congratulations. First one down. Yep. Yep. Second one to come as we will uh, get to also in a minute. But maybe before that, any last thoughts on Mickey on the Road? I mean, what would you want people to kind of take away from this film? What are the important things? Well, I really want people enjoy this movie. And I think uh, Mickey on the Road, when you uh, watch it, you can see very different perspective from the character Mickey. Because I think she's very um, special. She has that kind of eyes make you fear, but also incredible, vulnerable. They're kind of a street kids. They are not nice. They are not nice Asian girl. So that kind of shows you different kind of view. I don't know, different point of view of um, what woman could be. Right. Because you wrote the film as well. Yes. You mentioned you kind of started it during your time at Beida and continued to write it afterwards. Mm -hmm. So this story also kind of comes from your your mind, obviously, but also your kind of experiences. And maybe we can get hints of your kind of 
bad girl childhood <laughs> here in Taipei. Yeah,、uh, <laughs> I was I was riding my scooter, you know, during the night when I was in high school because I went to a night school, night vocational high school. Oh, you went to a night vocational high school.、Oh, that's right. Is that where that scene comes from? So there's another iconic scene in the film where Mickey and Jinjing are riding on their scooter and saying. You fucking loser! That's right. You are not allowed to say that, by the way, in any circumstance. Okay, we gotta be polite. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I like the night scenes. I wrote. I don't know. I just ultimately wrote a lot of night scenes because I think the day Taiwan is very ugly during the day. You know, <laughs> and then after it goes dark, it's like a theater. It's like the light starts and then. The stage become like a glimmers more interesting to look at. Right, and there's and, performances. Yes, with costumes. Yes, dragons and yeah, yeah. It's very <laughs> magical. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I just love it. I just love you know everything looks differently after dark. Exactly, and the sounds also are very important. The music and、uh, even the language, right? Because of course it's filmed in the south, so you know a lot of the language is Taiyu. Yes, Taiwanese. Taiwanese、so. Yes. That also creates a specific type of local color as well. Yes. Well, the character—that's the language they spoke. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So maybe shifting gears from that to now, this film was in 2020.、Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's going on with you now? As I mentioned in the beginning, you are actually living in Eugene, Oregon now. You have made it back. To America, hopefully with that same husband as in New York. Oh yeah, Or, the same. Okay,、one. the same husband. <laughs> <laughs>、um, yeah. And we, I met him last time, and、uh, you were also sharing some little tidbits about working on a second film as well. Yes, my life has been very dramatically changed when I first moved. From Taiwan to New York, chasing my filmmaking dream, and then there was ten years long journey making my first feature, and then right after Mickey on the Road releasing Taiwan, I moved to Pacific Coast, Pacific Northwest, West, yeah, small yes. town with my husband. So I become the first generation immigrant. I become. A new American. Oh, congratulations!、Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Yes, I again become an outsider, right, of the、uh, society I was living in. So I've been in this interesting position in my whole life. I think so. There is another very like one hundred eighty degree difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a、life. it's a new chapter. Yes. So how long have you been in Eugene, Oregon? Uh, two years. Two years. What、yeah. do you think of Eugene? It's New York. It's New York. New York. It's their own nation. There. Yes.、Okay. It is a universe <laughs> in itself. Yeah. It is. Universe. <laughs> Rest of America is another country. It's like you know. It's you can set a line. You can draw a line there. So Eugene is kind of like a college town, and the most、uh, population is、uh, I think is ninety percent of. 
whites, college students, and mostly retired people mm. living there. So my job there uh, is working for their uh, school district as um, kind of a affinity group uh, coordinator. So I travel between middle schools and high schools to take care of their Asian student union. Mm. Yeah, in the schools. So I have this chance to listen to kids to share their stories as uh, Asian American. A lot of tears and you know, kind of sad, A lot of sad story. stories. Yeah. and oh. also fun stories. Right. Yeah. So you are also now working on your second feature yes. film. Yes. Like you said, you can't be stopped. You keep going. I try to solve this. You know, I try to stop. <laughs> I tried, but <laughs> you tried to quit it, but you couldn't. Yeah, I just, I just couldn't because, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I uh, have an addiction. I should go to rehab. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe rehab. after the second one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how much you can tell or tease about this second one. I heard about it, the idea, and I, I love it. I don't know how much you want to share here, but what about this second film? I can share everything. That's awesome. Let's hear it. <laughs> yes. It's about a single Taiwanese mom with her daughter and they're running this uh, small Asian restaurant in this small town. The mom traveled back to uh, Taiwan, you know, one summer and invite the daughter go with her. But the daughter says, I have more important thing to do. You know, I want to go to, I don't know, to hang out with my friends. You know, mm. I don't want to go to that kind of weird foreign country with you. You're always, you know, nagging about, about you know. your country. Yeah, it's too far away, blah, blah, blah. And then so the mom goes back by herself and die. Suddenly mm. died and in Taiwan. So daughter got a you know uh, rush to this foreign country. Right, and, she's Taiwanese, but she was born and raised in the states. Right, right, right. And uh, she got a dealing with uh, uh, the funeral. So the story actually, the story time is uh, during these seven days of a funeral in Taiwan. It's a kind of a flashback voiceover reveals uh, the history between daughter and mother, their conflicts and then all their, you know, their stories. And um, yeah, and in the end, this uh, American daughter, in the beginning, she has like a skeptical attitude toward burning ghost money, like, this is purely air pollution without any points, any meaning, you know. Right. And she's kind of like with that attitude. But in the end, she kind of realized and kind of accept the culture that her mom from. And also it's a coming of age story that this daughter, through this journey, she has more confidence of who she is and then she can embrace both culture and feel kind of relaxed and comfortable mm. with herself. Right. I had mentioned last time that it kind of sounded like a recent, very famous film from Taiwan, American Girl, where there's a lot of these language or cultural kind of juxtapositions and clashes, uh, maybe a generational gap as well. Yeah. Um, and where are the two locations in Taiwan and the States? Yes. Um, we're going to shoot two locations. One is in Eugene, Oregon, mm. and the other is in Taiwan. 
So hopefully I can go through another kind of a journey, convince people that I'm super talented, please. Starting from right now, two years, you're going to sound like a crazy woman. Starting from this podcast. (laughs) That's right. That's that's the way. That's the mission. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So give us your crazy woman pitch. Um, um, well, I'm very talented. Show me your money. money. And I'm not Chinese, bitch. Yes, I'm Taiwanese. (laughs) That's the pitch. That's it. That's all you need to know. (laughs) Well, I hope that it's that easy. Hopefully it works. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take the checks here. I'll send them to Mian Mian. Yeah. We'll get them. Have your checkbook ready. Exactly. Credit cards. We take everything. Cash. Ghost money. No. No, 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 no. Only if we'll only use as a prop in the film. That's right. That's right. (laughs) We need to be creative, right? In this fundraising process. That's right. So how does that work? You know, like for people who don't understand the film industry, like you have already written the whole thing or right now it's the concept. Where are you exactly? Uh, This project is in very early stage. I'm still developing the script. It's kind of early but I'm hoping I can find creative partner and investors and join me together to shape the movie. Mm, nice. So what kind of creative partners are you looking for? If anyone is out there or knows people out there, what kind of people are you looking for? Are you looking for them particularly in Taiwan or Taiwanese or, or otherwise? Well, I'm looking for a writer and a producer because writing is so lonely. And if you have, you, you can have a partner, you can kind of ping pong, mm, you know, ideas. ideas. Yeah. And the producer, I'm looking for a producer on board because this project will be shooting to a uh, location and it's quite different. Mm. So I need a producer who know Taiwan very well and, and also uh, how to shoot a film in America too. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you're quite masochistic. You like to... Uh, make things difficult. The first film you filmed across these two contentious borders, uh, having to lie and bribe and other kind of things to get stuff done in one country. And you didn't learn your lesson. You are doing it again. You like this. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's something you have to do. Yeah. But I hope this time I don't need to lie. And bribe. And, and bribe. Yeah, and, and run away from police. Yeah, but you know, you got to do, you got to do. Exactly. Yeah. Your artistic vision to fulfill that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully you can get your butt on it so we can see some action and hopefully we can also find some people who really appreciate this story, your previous story, and understand that you are a great filmmaker. Oh, yeah. You have stories to tell. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's right, baby. Exactly. Exactly. So, maybe kind of as a final note, what would you say to young? Taiwanese filmmakers out there, you know, like a young Mian Mian, right? Like young girls who were like you kind of growing up now in Taiwan. Obviously, the time is different now, but people who maybe have an itch for 
acting, for directing, for being part of this industry. Do you have any advice for them? Would you tell them, like your professors mesmerize you, would you tell them, okay, yeah, you should go to New York. Maybe you should come to Eugene, Oregon. Maybe you should uh, just go to Guangzhou and get lost. Uh, yeah, do you have any kind of thoughts, advice for these young aspiring filmmakers? Well, if I have anything to say, I will tell them, be bold, aiming high. Don't afraid because um, every established film directors out there you look up to experience the same process of what you expect. You know they gotta convince people with good story too, and they gotta believe what they going to share. So I would say be bold and aiming high. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful way to end it. I want to thank you very much for coming in here and sharing your stories, sharing your film with me and and with us, um, and also teasing us about this amazing new film that will come out. We're really looking forward to it, and hopefully, when it starts to get underway, you can come on again and we can talk more. Oh yeah. 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 Thank you for having me here. Yeah. It's really fun to talk to you. It's amazing. Thank you so much, and. We wish everyone out there a dry day. Looks like the typhoon is not so bad now. Hopefully you guys can stay dry. Stay safe. Stay safe. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful night. We will see you again. Goodbye. Bye-bye.